Hello there. Welcome back to The Random Show, episode number 116 with I, your host, Agostino Zinga. This is Random Show, episode number 116, coming at you live and direct from an undisclosed location somewhere in the dark, dark depths of East London. And I hope you're feeling good. Hope you're feeling good wherever you find this. Hope you are feeling special fine feeling sprightly as i am in this lovely 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 place but yeah um quick little random show for you today again it's not going to be super long like i usually do so please please do not scream at me and be mad but i have loads of stuff to do this next few days i need to kind of bang out so you know please please don't be mad but i will do a pretty long one later on but this is going to be a cool nice short and sharp one just to kind of get some things out there and talk about some funny lol shit and keep it moving so hopefully you're entertained hopefully you like what you hear hopefully you like what you see and we keep it moving as per usual because it's a live stream and because you guys are watching this and jumping in whenever you're going to jump in if you're jumping in now and you're right here and you're engaging in the chat and you're one of the chat people that's flooding the chat now with all your messages then please make sure that you do me a favor and that you smash that like button for me if you appreciate the streams if you enjoy the lols that we catch if you enjoy laughing and pointing at some of the redacts we speak about the least you can do for the kid is just to smash that like button if you're enjoying what you're seeing that'd be greatly appreciated but apart from that i ask of nothing else from you that's all i ask from you just like the stream if you're enjoying it if not i understand and also i'll do my best to earn your little thumbs up anyway so so much to talk about and get through um i'm still coming to grips and still kind of understanding and processing and accepting the idea that i'm not gonna be able to see brendan in a couple of weeks i was really looking forward to seeing brendan Shaw on stage i'm not gonna lie i was really fascinated to see like is he actually gonna be as bad as i imagine is he gonna be as bad as i've seen on fucking tv on my laptop on my fucking phone when i'm browsing the fire and the kids subreddit is he gonna be that bad or is he gonna be like a little bit amazing is he gonna like surprise me am i gonna have to like tuck my tail between my legs and go back to the fucking subreddit and write a fucking report and be like guys guess what i know i'm gonna get downvoted to oblivion but it was actually quite good because I thought I was going to have to be that guy. I thought I was going to have to like be that guy that got downvoted to oblivion, maybe banned, maybe ostracized from this community if I wrote a review on the front of the kid and said, you know what? I went to the show in the O2 flipping, you know, um, at the O2 and I loved it. Like I thought I'd have to be that kind of guy. Like, you know what? I had a couple of drinks in me. I snacked on a couple of chicken fingers, right? I had some t- chicken thangers in my mouth and I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I legit thought I'd have to be that guy, but I'm so lucky that had hasn't happened. That's actually a blessing in disguise that I haven't, ha- you know, been put in a position that would require me to go to a Brendan Shaw live comedy show. It be actually better than I imagined. Me having to come back and then report it back to the community on the Friday Kids subreddit and you guys on here. Because I'm sure if I would have reviewed it and said what I said on here and then clipped it up and uploaded it on my channel, that video would have got so many downvotes. If I said, I'm an action, I went into it being a Brendan hater and I came out of it liking it. Like you guys would have been absolutely on my neck. They would have been on my neck. So I'm happy that didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm happy that I'm never going to really find out how he is on stage because most likely after the round of cancellations for this shows, 
it's unlikely he's ever going to come back to Europe or to the UK ever again, to be fair, unless he has a miracle career turnaround and he blows up and is able to sell tickets because we all know, for the most part, the most likely reason why he did cancel it isn't because he wants to spend the summer with the kiddos, as the title of the stream is. It probably was because, you know, he wasn't able to sell enough tickets. And, you know, a lot of these guys, comedians, not only Brendan, I think all of them are like this, to be fair. Um, they have they tie a lot of their self-worth to their ability to sell out shows and to move a considerable amount of tickets, which I think, personally, is really redacted and really dumb. Because like I've said plenty of times on this stream, on my very successful, influential, number one cultural podcast in the world, The Exit Zinger Show, I am a DJ. I am a former party promoter. I've put on many events, many parties. And let me tell you, maybe 20% of them go well. Like the majority of them, 80% go terribly bad. And when they go bad, when you put on an event, they go so bad. There's no middle ground. Sometimes you get a decent amount of people and sometimes you get one. I put on one time, I put on an event and I rarely do this because I don't even celebrate my birthday. I was meant to do a fucking birthday live stream actually on here and I kind of, you know, scrapped that because I feel kind of cringe, you know, talking about myself and being said, I don't know. It's just something that I've never really liked. But one time in my life, I put together a birthday rave. I booked all my favorite DJs, all my friends, and that were really good at the time and coming up as well. I had a bit of name around them. Um, I commissioned an artist to put together a flyer. I booked a really great venue. I hired a sound system. Like I went the full way, paid for security. I put the event on. Guess what happened? This was at the peak of my clout, the peak of my kind of, you know, local celebrity around town, being the party boy and being kind of popular. Guess how many people turned up to my rave? My birthday party rave at the time I put it on. Five. <laughs> and they were all my friends. Five people turned up. Five. And this is a venue of like 300 people. And before that, I put on events where I'd sold out. I, I said I, I was sold out I technically packed a 300 venue place 200 venue place and then the next following weeks that event on my birthday I couldn't get more than five people to turn up it got so bad we had to pull the plug on the event at like I think 11 p.m or something because it was costing too much to keep the bounces around and they weren't going to get a full day's worth of salary so they're like you know what we'll just close it now so I know how difficult it is to sell tickets. It's really difficult. And I think it's even harder if you're a stand-up comedian because stand-up comedians, I think, compared to DJs, they probably perform more than DJs do because DJs usually only play on weekends. I know for me being a DJ, I usually played, especially at my peak, I was playing from like Thursday to like Sunday. But a lot of comedians play seven days a week they can get gigs on a monday if they want to it's not going to be a great one but they can perform every single day so i think you're asking a lot of your fans if you're a stand-up comedian you're asking for a lot you're asking for too much if you're expecting every single show that you do to be sold out or to be close to sold out even if it's at a comedy club that has like 150 people in it there's only so many times you can see that one comedian especially if it's in a market that you exhaust because a lot of these comedians i'd imagine if you find out there's a state that you do really well in, right? Most likely, I'd imagine you're going to go back there often because you do quite well in that state. Um, you're going to try and double dip, triple dip, whatever it may be, quadruple dip. But if I've seen you once or twice in my state, what's going to give me the reason to come back out again and see you again? Especially when you factor into the case that a lot of these stand-up comedians, especially the ones within the JRE Extended Universe, the ones that are like Brendan Schaub Jason, 
the ones that maybe are in that kind of glitzy showtime Hollywood type of you know stand up scene. Maybe not so much the East Coast ones, but I think it's a lot of the West Coast guys. They don't write a lot of new material. They kind of approach stand up like your favorite band. They're gonna perform the hits. Like Bobby Lee's a good example. I saw Bobby Lee perform once. Like no, sorry. I so I I saw Bobby perform once many many years ago, and I remember stumbling across some Fred on Tiger Belly and the way the person described it, it sounded like Bobby Lee was performing the same jokes that I heard him perform like 10 years ago. So people in that scene, for some reason, don't really bother to write new jokes. So imagine going to the same state that you do well in, trying to sell tickets there all the time, not bringing fresh material, performing the same old tired jokes. It just gets really hard for customers or sorry, for punters to make it worth their while to, to kind of make it easy for them to decide you know what i'm gonna pay some money to the babysitter i'm gonna you know call in my in-laws look after my child i'm gonna get someone to walk my dog and shit while i'm out here like it's difficult to make those arrangements when you know most likely you're gonna get the same show that you saw in 2012 or something it just doesn't make any sense so i think a lot of these guys are putting too much pressure on themselves actually and in general just the whole lying thing the whole using the ticket things to illustrate your big comment it's just bizarre personally for me i don't understand it. especially a lot of these guys they're making a lot of money via podcasting anyway so i think if it was me and i was making a, a lot of money through podcasting i would use comedy as like a free run it's kind of like a, a place for me to be um in to be a little bit more creative a little bit more experimental to try new things because it's not i'm not depending on my stand-up comedy to pay my way and to pay my bills or whatnot because i get all that covered through my podcast and shit that's what i would do if i was them i wouldn't be putting all my self-worth and fucking dependency on fucking selling tickets and selling out shows because it's just too unpredictable even though streaming podcasting and all that stuff content is unpredictable in its own way i think relying on people selling buying your tickets to see you every single day nearly in the, in the fucking week is just obscene so as much as i like to laugh at brendan and shit i think this is just a it's it's, it's a industry scene-wide issue these guys just need to fucking relax and actually if they relax maybe the shows will be better if they approach it a little bit more like hey let me just put on a fun show because when's the last time you heard a comedian talk about wanting to put on a really fun show for the fans let me put on a fun show let me make it worth their while let me make them feel like they got their money's worth for their 20 30 dollars 50 dollars they spent let me put on a fun show because that'd be much better instead of worrying about selling tickets and having a tour that's got less the sold out stamp on it just put on a fucking good show man entertain your fans i don't know bring out some local act to do some music and shit i don't know get someone to dj before the thing starts to get the crowd jumping maybe have someone come out and fucking juggle a couple of babies in the air or some shit whatever maybe get your mum to come out and do a little you know five minute intro talking about how amazing you are and you cut her off and push off the stage as a joke i don't know something make it fun you know instead of worrying about the fucking tickets and the optics of it because i don't know i i personally think that most fans don't care if comedians sell out tours or shows they don't give a fuck they want to see their their favorite comic they like who they like whatever they hang out they might make friends there they might buy some merch whatever cool but the people in the industry, they know what's up. The industry, you know, this is a scene that people, it looks like, talk behind each other's back all the time. Everyone's gossiping. Everyone's in each other's business. Everyone's obsessed with numbers. Everyone's obsessed with money and ticket sales, all this shit. So I'm pretty sure everybody knows what everybody's doing. 
and how well people are doing. They all know behind the scenes. Agents talk, managers talk. So why bother lying? Why lie that you've nearly sold out? Closer selling out. Tickets are flying out. Be quick. Last minute. We all know you haven't sold anything. Just say, hey, we haven't sold a lot of tickets. Please buy them. I beg of you. <laughs> I need this, please. It's like, or just try and put on a good show that's worthwhile people coming out on. But I just think in general, just to kind of round this little rant up, I just feel like people underestimate how difficult it is to get people to pay for tickets to attend your shows and the other thing i want to mention just as the last thing because i put on many parties and many raves people also underestimate how difficult it is just to get people out of their house out of their homes to come to your event even if the event is free it's very difficult to like just give people free tickets and say hey come out because a lot of comedy clubs do this when they don't sell enough tickets or just give away the tickets for free but it still doesn't mean anyone comes because you know they just Sometimes you wake up, you buy a ticket with all your money and you just think, you know what, fuck this, I can't bother another day. I've done it plenty of times myself. I've done it plenty of times where I spent like 30, 20 pounds on the tickets to go see a DJ perform. The, the event comes around, I'm like, eh, not bothered anymore. I just don't go. So <laughs> I think that is something that happens a lot often and more people think will think. But anyway, um, hope everyone is well tuning in here. Big up the stream chat. See a lot of you in here. Big up Uche. Long time no see, big up. Um, Stephen Castaneda says, yep, they do two drink minimum. What are you saying in the chat? People say, but Billy has been performing the same material for 10 years. That's why he doesn't have a special despite being a vet. Yeah, also, he's probably just, um, what's that thing called? Um, He's paralyzed by, he's, sorry, he's paralyzed by, no, what's it called? What's that term that Tom Segura, that Tom, Tom Ferris have? So yeah, it's paral paralyzed by analysis. So analysis, is it? Is it, is it? Tom Ferris? He had a term in his book. I think it's called paralyzed by analysis. Where like you, if you you procrastinate so much to a point where you just don't do it. No, yeah, you're overanalyzed to a point where you don't want to do it. Yeah, it's like I said, par paralysis by analysis. Thank you, Cloud K20. Sorry, I had a Brendan Shaw moment there. Thank you. Um, Martin Lewis, Lewis says, I agree, but I think it may be the final nail in the coffin for remaining thickies. Can't even update his fans. Redact. Yeah, that's another point. Thank you, Martin Levis what's the issue with not just explaining i'm a nobody i'm a nobody right i'm a fucking nobody in the grand scheme of things i'm a fucking nobody i'm a peon i just do my little thing here have my little jokes and shit you guys enjoy it we keep it moving blah de blah but even when i disappear and i go on my fucking little benders right and i re-emerge again like even i kind of feel obliged to explain hey guys apologies for the you know radio silence and me going missing I had a bit of a mad one even i feel like i i'm obliged to explain to you guys what you know and i don't even have a fucking schedule i just fucking work on the stream whenever i can work it on so these guys i don't get how they can put on a show schedule it for a date get people to buy tickets then cancel last minute and not explain why they're canceling it don't get me wrong you have to go into detail and talk about your family no one's asked no one's saying that but just acting like it never happened like is a bizarre thing that happens in comedy and it, i don't know why what what that is if that's a thing that managers tell you to do because if you start explaining people are going to ask more questions and blood i don't know what that notion is but i find that kind of disrespectful to your fans not to people like ourselves who are just laughing at these guys i think the fans deserve a bit of an explanation like i'm sure that i legitimately think there were london fans here who are like over the age of 25 have kids have pets have responsibilities who made plans ahead of time and like hey 
I'm going to pencil in the 17th, whatever it was you were meant to perform here in London. And I'm going to make sure that I've put things in place so I can go. So I can have a real good night. I can maybe get hammered and get fucked up on a night and maybe have a, you know, lying on the next day and shit. Like, I'm pretty sure they did that. Like, called, you know, called your fucking mum to come and look after your kids, called your brother, whatever. Like, people made those arrangements. And then for you just to cancel two weeks before the event with no real explanation apart from, I want to spend summer with the kiddos. Like, brother, for real. Is that what you're going to do to us? You know, if you're going to give us an explanation, nah. No explanation whatsoever. No, 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 nothing. No zero. Just nah. It's someone with the kiddos, allegedly. It's like, but hey, what can you do in it? Um, what person uh, person is saying, AZ back to back. You know how it is. Bad friends tour looks fun. Yeah, exactly. Uche, that's what I was thinking about. Uche is a good example. Great example there. Bad friends was a, what I was thinking of. I said this before when I used to cover all this stuff in the beginning. That I always thought that I never understood why. Brendan and Brian didn't do more shows together and I also didn't understand why Brendan just does stand-up flat out I was like hey just quit doing stand-up and just approach it like more like how um who those guys called is it Noel and Cody is it Noel and Cody those guys that do YouTube they have like a chat I forgot what they I think it's like Tiny Meat right and they do shows too and it's kind of like like a live podcast sketch comedy type of thing that they do and I, I know like one guy, one of the guys in the group, in the duo, sorry, is a comedian in his own self. He does his own, you know, he's trying to pursue stand-up. But I feel like that way of presenting a show would serve the fire and the kid better than Brendan trying to pursue the stand-up comedy route because he's just not good enough. But I also think it would benefit Brian a lot more because I think he probably comes alive a lot more in that kind of like sketch comedy, improv sort of like scenario right like kind of like with other people and shit i think that would work far better but i'd imagine because they're both adults and they have their own families and shit and agents get in your ears and just get a bit greedy but i think they would be far more successful on the road and probably make way more money if they actually did the shows together brendan and brian i don't i don't know why they don't and in the kind of in the similar way that bad friends do shows it's just weird they don't have like a touring the fire and the kids show like that would kill it like they could they could easily sell out venues of like Callan's fans and Brendan's fans easily, I think so. Um but yeah, I don't know why they don't do it. Um another person says here, yeah, Josie Martin says Skankfest was the last time I heard anyone care if the fans had a great time. Yeah, exactly. For my criticism, Josie, of like what I said before about Skankfest, I still think it's overpriced. And again, I'm coming at it from a wrong point of view. My my thinking on it is kind of warped because I'm obviously somebody that's into like partying and like going to raves and stuff and i dj so and i listen and i go to music festivals so when i go to events i'm always kind of thinking at it from that point of view of like you know what's that word called value for money via the ticket price and because i go to events where like sometimes it's like four acts and you're paying like 50 dollars when i then think of going to see one person for 50 it's like it doesn't make any sense and then when i see Skankfest and i'm seeing 400 dollars just to see sweaty comedians i'm like nah no way but actually, to be fair to Skankfest and Luis J. Gomez, at least they're trying to put on a fun comedy festival type show thing. They have it in a destination location in Las Vegas. It's the home of fucking debauchery, right? You can get up to fucking no good. Everything that happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. All that fucking malarkey. Right? You get out the house, go somewhere that you probably don't go to on a regular basis. Um, meet loads of interesting people that are into the same shit you're into, especially that that type of comedy is very niche, very kind of quote-unquote edgy. You're going to meet cool people that you like, that kind of vibe with you, that get your sense of humor and shit. All that stuff is super fun and kind of 
um, you can't really put a price on it. And on top of it, you might end up bumping into your favorite comedian and podcast and whatnot along the way, because loads of people always say like, you know, part of the fun of going to Skankfest is that you're all kind of together. They do the shows, but then after the fact, you kind of go and party and drink together so you can legitimately be necking down fucking tins of Bud Light with Shane Gillis and having a whale of a time. I think that's pretty sick. So I kind of credit them for at least trying to do that thing. Um, and that person who says, yeah, another reason you have to remember they get into podcasts is the first place is that they sell more tickets on the road. Yep, true. Joseph says, Ron White was doing, they call, they call me later salad bit for like 10 years or more, big ups automatic, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, what people say. But yeah, anyway, what was, I think I'm only ranting about it because I bought the tickets, to be fair. That's why. <laughs> for once, it's affected me because I actually paid money for it. I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. You're going to cancel on us for like two weeks ahead of time and talk about spending summer with the kiddos. We know you hate your kids. Come on, man. Stop fronting. <laughs> you don't like your kids. You don't like spending time with your wife. We know, man. You you said it yourself. The guy said it himself. Like he purposely used to book it. Again, he was saying it in a ha-ha-he-he way, but there's some truth in the ha-ha-he-he's. Like he would book shows specifically to like not be at home. That was a kind of inside joke. And I imagine a lot of the comedians do that also. I don't think it's just a Brendan Schaub thing. A lot of these guys kind of like don't like being at home with their families. And now all of a sudden, when you're not selling tickets, when you're not getting booked for shows, all of a sudden, I want to be a family man. Beast of a dad. Sure, buddy, sure. Anyway, before we get into that stuff, I want to jump in quickly to talk about this that I quickly saw, right? Um, courtesy of DJ Academics' Instagram account. And it's a picture of Kim Kardashian wearing a t-shirt that features Kendall. It's got Kendall Jenner's name on it. And I think it was a thing. I think it's called All-Star. I forgot what it's called. All-Star Team or something. But basically, it's a t-shirt that features Kendall Jenner's face surrounded by all the guys in the NBA that she's dated. And obviously, Kim's face is looking kind of mad because she's not got makeup on. Let's just start on that bit. The discourse around women on social media that don't have, that don't, yeah, the discourse around conventionally attractive women or the hot women, hot girls on social media and then seeing them without makeup is interesting because I always feel like it's a really interesting way to tell on yourself as a guy when you start freaking out, when you see like a really hot girl without makeup and you start going, oh my God, she doesn't look as hot. Look how ugly she is. It's a real like weird way to tell on yourself that you never really, you know, hooked up with girls <laughs> because that's what all girls look like all girls look completely different after the taking of their makeup so seeing all of these guys online freak out that kim looks a bit different when she's sans makeup sans filter is really funny hilariously funny like how people freak out about that sort of stuff it's like dudes like have you never been with a girl have you never had a girl like sleep over or something <laughs> this is like standard part of the course it just is what it is um but the shirt is the funny part for me the shirt is the funny part because it's so fucking tacky and classless and it's funny because the double standards are hilarious because this woman was just on social and her show and on video crying about the fucking sex tape with Ray J and about how Kanye keeps bringing it up, crying that they were using it as some sort of like blackmail tool for a while, Ray J and WAC 100 for a while. It just was a strange energy around that, that maybe those other bits and details of the video that are meant to be coming out, all this nonsense stuff. And then she was coming out saying, hey, Kanye West is like, you know, anti-Semitic anti tour that he went on before, um, you know, he's fucking Jew-hating hitler loving fucking tour he was going on was amazing 
well, sorry, was not amazing. Was <laughs> it's going to be far more detrimental to the children um, that they have than her sex tape with Ray J. She was kind of doing this whole big spin, and what I could see through the kind of cope was the fact that clearly the tape, despite being Kim being wildly successful, a multi-billionaire, one of the famous people in the world, if not the famous person in the world, she still negatively affected by that fucking stupid tape, which is nonsense, really, because it's a sex tape between a couple. Why does it really matter? And you did it on purpose the mum what was involved is a bit weird and creepy and shit but it is what it is it kind of propelled him to fame so i guess it was worth it but still it shows that there's a sense of shame behind it cool safe but to have that stance and then be okay wearing this shirt of your sister you know dating all of these fucking you know this fucking small basketball team of black men is interesting because you'd imagine if somebody wore a t-shirt of hers with that iconic picture of her and Ray J sitting on the side of the bed, she wouldn't be too happy. It wouldn't be something that she'd be too pleased about. So the fact that you can like laugh and smile about this shirt, because I guess technically they're going to say, yeah, but all those girls, all those guys on here, they were all like her boyfriend. She was in relationships and shit, which is funny. But I just find that interesting. That's why I just find it weird. I just find the double signs funny because if somebody wore a t-shirt, with Kim and Ray J on it, she would not be happy. I, I'm pretty sure she would not be happy. And I'm pretty sure she's not playing Ray J's fucking block, you know, billboard busting hit. I hit it first either at her fucking party or it's not, that's not in her fucking shuffle either. So this whole narrative around it is fucking interesting and weird. But I guess when you're in the industry or you're in the fucking business of, you know, influencing online and getting attention online, no matter what your age is and being a grown-ass woman, you just have to kind of keep doing this game in it and kind of playing the game and doing what he's, whatever she's doing on here. So I guess more power to the old Kimmy. Moving on from that one, quick one to play this clip courtesy of DSP Tries It Memology, um, one of my favourite accounts covering Darkside Phil and all his shenanigans. I want to play this clip specifically because Darkside Phil at the moment is playing Street Fighter Six and he's getting absolutely destroyed right destroyed and i'm fucking loving it because the salt that kind of erupts from every fucking you know pore and opening in fucking dsp's body on his body in his body when he's playing street fighter and he's losing is delightful to see delightful to witness the fucking salt and the rage because he just cannot handle losing he's a sore loser he's fucking garbage at the game He's uh, obviously somebody that's clearly expired, shouldn't be playing computer games in the slightest, should be out there with a real job and not fucking streaming and begging for tips and, you know, fleecing his fans and scamming them in every way that he's doing now. But he still persists with it. So when he does, seeing him rage, seeing the salt fly all over the place is fucking beautiful. So let's watch this video courtesy of DSP Tries and Memology. <laughs> Now I can't get through anything he does with jabs. Jabs beats everything. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, every time he just- Oh yeah, have you guys recognized something too? I've updated the camera, right? Which is good. Got a new webcam, got a new little LED thing to kind of shine on my face, even though it's making me melt. And I've also updated the RAM on my computer. And if I take off my headphones, yeah, the, the computer isn't like spinning as much or you know, the fan isn't going as crazy as it was before. 
and the stream is somewhat stable. It's not as choppy. It's not pausing as much. So I'm, I'm kind of proud. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pat myself on the back <laughs> for finally updating my fucking, um, you know, for updating some of the components in my computer and making it actually run pretty decently. So this is quite nice to see. It's actually working pretty well. <laughs> Just jump over everything I do. He's just guessing and getting jumps. No up ball when I'm done. No up ball. Game over. Yep. That's it. Level three. So I completely blew it. The, the second round is my, or the first round was my fault. Second round, when I did the stupid throw thing, it was a command. It's not, or a command throw. It's not. Like it's not a throw. Um. And then this round, I couldn't block any. That he got lucky jumps over everything I did, and my up balls were whiffing. I don't know. Hello, all at Lucky Jumps. I did my command throw. His throw beats my command throw. He uh -huh. threw right through it. Wow. <clears throat> Regular throw, too. Didn't do that. I did my ball. It didn't come out. Now I lost all that health. I didn't screw up. I just fucked up and didn't do the right move. Wow, come on. That pisses me off. And I love how he keeps switching players, hoping if he keeps switching them that that's actually going to help. But it's not. He's just terrible at the game. I fucking love it. Uh, that really pisses me off. Had lots of opportunities to beat him. I dropped a lot of stuff. Lots of opportunities to win. She's going to have to deal with it. He's so fucking ugly, isn't it? He's so fucking ugly. He's got such a weirdly shaped head. Like, he fascinates me. Wings of Redemption and him fascinate me. Wings, because I used to be incredibly fat, right? Some people will say I'm still fat now, but I'm, I'm not. I've lost a lot of weight. I'm in way more better condition than I was in the past. But I used to be super fat. And one of the things that was funny when you're super fat, I didn't really want people to see me. I'd kind of wanted to disappear. I didn't want to be seen. But Wings is like a professional streamer that looks the way that he does, tr makes no effort to change, is unwilling to change, but then also spends his life, you know, in front of the cameras. And the same goes for DSP. He has an amazingly annoying voice, super whiny and nasally, has a fucking ridiculous head, ridiculously shaped head, is incredibly ugly, <laughs> but spends all his time in front of a camera. It's like, it's fucking interesting. I swear to God, I fucking find these guys fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, but yeah, King Cobra's even worse. Which, yeah, like, let's not get started on that. I find these guys, like, in, just, they blow my mind. Like, wow, man. I actually wish I kind of had that level of, I had that levels of um, self-confidence. Like, if I, you know, if I kind of legitimately thought I was a shit like that, maybe I'd be a lot further in my life. I'd be a lot closer to kind of achieving my dreams <laughs> if I had that kind of mentality. But then again, you have to be the guy or the gal like these guys who kind of scams their fans, feigns fucking, you know, feigns poverty, lies, steals, cheats and shit, manipulates. Like just, nah, I'm not into that sort of life. No way. getting clapped <laughs> no i don't want sweep i, I love didn't it. want sweep i wanted standing Fight. 
What the hell? No, I don't want that. I keep doing the wrong moves. I don't want. I love how you keep saying I don't want that, but if you listen again, I haven't played video games in a long time, but I know what it sounds like when someone button bashes or button mashes in video games. It's pretty easy to tell, even though they're playing with a fucking pad, and you can hear the sound alone. If you've played enough fighting games, you'd know what the, what it sounds like when someone's just button mashing and hoping for the best. And he does it all the time, but he always makes it seem like he's trying a certain move, he's trying a certain thing. It's like a certain range of attack. And no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, man, that pisses me off. Oh, literally, he can just mash these 60s and, and throws from that range and get crazy punishes when you're getting a move you don't want. God damn it! Oh, come on, random jump, and he gets punishes because he jumped randomly. Look at the fucking damage. The trade now. Come on, the trade is in his favor always. Neutral jump 360. Oh my god. <laughs> His standing medium beats my normals. It beat everything from mid range. Wow. This sucks. Stuff I don't know. You know? His standing medium punch beat me from mid range. Yeah, because you're mid. Because you're fucking mid. I couldn't do that. See, after that move, she's completely safe. You wouldn't think so, but if she has to give up on her, she is. It's she fucking getting clapped. You're stuck in place and just have to block afterwards. Dude, come on. What the fuck? Come on. Everything just hits me in a row. I'm not even doing anything. I did nothing wrong. I did everything correct. I'm getting pissed that I'm just getting hit by random moves in a row. I'm not attacking or doing anything. Why am I getting hit seven times in a row when I'm not doing anything to be open? Maybe because you're fucking terrible and you're doing shit to be open. I don't know. Fucking pisses me off. Jesus, do everything, man. Level one super. Oh my god. <laughs> Nervous much? Nervous much? Throwing out random super over and over. Just the problem is I'm not expecting people to play like that. And they all do. Like they're all playing completely unsafe stuff online, which normally Unsafe stuff online. I don't expect to what? You wouldn't do in a game like this, but they just they all just reckless abandon, throw everything out, random reversal, random EX, random reversal, like oh my god. I'm just not ex explaining or not expecting that. You know what I'm saying? What a fucking bitch. one of the worst players I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, you get the gist in it. He's complaining, he's whining, he's terrible like fucking computer games, and I love seeing it because, you know, he doesn't really interact with people outdoors. He keeps himself hidden in his little snort fort away from fucking the scrutiny of people in real life to tell him to fucking, you know, get his act together and shit. So it's nice when he does get clapped online because it's a little bit, you know, gratifying that he's getting fucking slapped about by randoms online, especially on a game that he feels like he's actually good at. I thought it's fucking hilarious, personally. Next week, he went to mention this clip, courtesy of the streamer called Bruce. He recently announced that he's signing to kick. I'm actually loving these kick announcement or these exclusive streaming contract video announcement things they're pretty cool but the only thing about these is kind of a little bit un I'm not so underwhelming but kind of 
would be a bit annoying if you're a fan of these guys is that these trailers when they announce they're going to sign new exclusive deals to these new streaming networks or platforms they're no way indicative of what you're going to see on the stream like even somebody like a kai Sinat who i like he puts on really good fun streams like he's fucking amazing streams really fun really creative but they're nowhere near the level of quality in production or whatever as the trailers look like like it's not it's just still quintessentially what i'm doing just a guy in front of a camera speaking into a microphone it's not really as fun as what they're making it seem as so it's funny it's like you know you do a promo that makes a show look like one thing or gives you this excitement and this fucking wow amazing but then the actual thing itself the product is still just a guy in a gamer chair in front of a camera just talking to shit but i think it's cool in general that this is becoming a thing that these guys these streamers are going on to sign these exclusive deals with these new streaming platforms i remember there was a time when platforms like d live were around and that was the alternative thing where these platforms were kind of looked at as never ever having a chance of ever really offering serious competition to the likes of youtube twitch and whatnot but now with the likes of rumble kick and a few other places these are legitimately these are legitimate sorry platforms that are actually challenging the kind of stranglehold and the market share um and the talent um that a lot of these established kind of platforms have had and usually took and took for granted i think and the fact that they're signing some of these guys for like nba football numbers is insane too um no idea what this guy got in terms of money it could be 10 million 60 million whatever i just think the announcement's kind of cool and kind of fun and i like the video so i'm gonna play it now Yo, what's going on? Chrissy, you're still at your crib? Come on. I'm on the way right now. Oh, Somebody else in the chat, how did you find all these American guys, uh, Paris? I just follow loads of like streaming accounts on Twitter, to be fair. Twitter's now become my main sort of like social media platform that I use. I just jumped on Instagram the other day, actually started like, you know, sharing some shit on there, but it's not as fun as Twitter. I feel like, you know, you get loads of news on there. You can shoot your shit, get involved in some back and forth, troll some people, shit posts. It's just fun. And you can follow loads of like different accounts that kind of give you different bits of news on different little subcultures and scenes. And if you do shit right on there and you like the right amount of stuff, you follow the right amount of people, the algorithm just starts feeding you shit that you might like. So you might just, you know, sometimes stumble across an account you don't even follow and just recommend it to you because you like this other shit. So start following accounts on Twitter that you're of interest that you like. Start liking stuff that you like and then the algorithm will just sort it out. So I just stumbled across these guys on social, to be fair. Shit, I got one. Damn, another fucking boot. Damn, Lucky. nigga, you almost hit. Hold on. Is that lucky? <laughs> Damn. Oh, is it? Hold on. Shit, I'm trying to find my way out of here. Can you help me? I love the fact that the, the rapper Lucky has embraced streaming. Um, he's, he's always been a bit, you know, internet savvy anyway, but I think that's a really cool little avenue that some of these rappers are kind of getting into where they're sort of embracing the streaming side of things because I think it's a good exit strategy um, because, you know, being a 
recording art especially nowadays with how streaming is and the splits being awful and live shows being hard to kind of make work and you know live nation now deciding to kind of get a grip on the merch sales of live shows for some artists is fucking obscene the amount of streams you have to do as a musician to kind of make any money on your fucking art is fucking crazy and disgusting so if they have an option of an out or something that could supplement their income um by doing streaming and shit or being associated with streaming guys i think it's fucking cool i love it and it's completely outside of what they do in music and obviously helps them to kind of garner a whole different audience so i'm all for it man uh, i don't know but i got this for you because it's cold as fuck over there oh ass stay with the good too thank you gang i'm gonna find my way out of here i'm gonna hit you all right, all right. brother be safe it's cold be as safe. fuck be, that be way now. <laughs> i hope Oh, hello, Mr. Sasquatch. Hello. Are you real? Yeah. What's going on? Whoa, booty hands. <laughs> you know a way out? Or... I don't speak. I don't speak Chihuahua. Oh, I look like Eddie Murphy now. <laughs> Nigga, how the fuck do we get out? I right, listen. I gotta go. I gotta go, Sasquatch man. It'll be easy, alright? Oh, shit. Whoa. Whoa! What the fuck? Whoa. Holy shit, you fucking made it. Let me show you around, come on. Welcome, Bruce, to Kick. So, yeah, there he is. He's not going to be on Kick. So, if you're a fan of Bruce, um, check him out over there at Bruce. Drop him off all one word over there on Kick. He's exclusively streaming there. Numbers are probably going to be insane. So, we're going to see what we're going to see. But, like I said, it's just interesting because the trailers are nothing like the quality of the actual show. It's still just a guy sitting in front of a webcam like I am talking shit. So, what can we do? Moving on from this one, are we going to mention and talk about and kind of cover again one more time the whole machine thing, yeah? Brett Crash's movie. And more so around the subject of like hubris. Is it hubris? Is it arrogance? Is it self belief? I don't know. But there was a period in time during Bert's promo for the machine where he was basically saying words to the effect hey, support this movie because this means we're going to get more comedic movies in the cinema because a lot of these comedians or sub not a lot but i can remember specifically people like tom segura people like burt people like tim dylan and a few others would say and even joe joe rogan would lament the kind of demise of that the comedic movie right the movie that you'd go and watch um in the cinema that was just fucking fun just silly didn't really have a serious point to it and just was a belly of laughs from the minute zero to the end. And for some reason, maybe because of the, you know, politics and the way society has changed, a lot of those kind of racier, edgy jokes that you could insert and a lot of that sort of type of content is now something a lot of people don't want to do or is going to get you in trouble. But that whole kind of sector or that kind of genre of movie has kind of died. It doesn't really exist anymore. And 
some of these comedians, podcasters like Bert, thought that they could somehow revive it because maybe in their heads they thought their podcasts were kind of like IRL versions of those type of movies, which is bizarre, but I think that's probably where they were thinking. And also because they were because they're somewhat popular in terms of doing podcasts, that it would in a weird way um translate to movies. But what we've seen with the machine opening box office, and I've been surprised by it myself, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of surprised because I was the person on my stream that said with my whole chest, with my whole big broad African man, big black dude chest, I said that I thought the machine would do well. Even though I'm not a fan of Bert, you know, I don't really check his content out. I don't think he's the funniest guy in the world. I just thought with the climate in movies being the way it is in cinema and whatnot, and, you know, people just longing for a bit of escapism, a bit of an option just to go and just turn their brain off and just be entertained. I legitimately thought it would do well. But clearly, I'm redacted as fuck because the opening box office for the machine is fucking crazy. When you think about, like, if you're like Burt Kreischer and you're his agent or you spur, you look at numbers and shit, and you, because I'd imagine Burt's overall engagement across like all these social media accounts, all these viral clips must be in the billions, right? So sometimes I'd imagine a lot of these agents are like looking at it thinking, mate, you get like a million in bits of engagement and this here, this there, it's, it's equal up to a billion. If you could translate just like 5% of that, that would mean you're going to make like, duh, 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 duh. so I'd imagine that's what the kind of maths that they were doing. But the hard facts of it are, courtesy of this website called boxofficemojo.com for Burt's movie The Machine for Burt's movie The Machine the domestic opening day weekend was 8 million 8.9 million internationally the movie made 174,000 so total oh I guess worldwide no 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 I guess yeah so total was um, 9 million <laughs> and 78 like can you imagine how much it costs to make that movie on location in another country and shit? Have Mark Hamill be, you know, be fucking Burt Crash's dad and shit. That must have cost a lot of money. And to only make an 8 million opening weekend is abysmal. Is abysmal. So it goes to prove that to be a movie star is actually a lot harder than you think it is. Um, it's not easy to get people to go out and see movies. And clearly... Um, you know, the business of movies is just complicated in general. And to kind of make the final point, the hubris that these guys had, the arrogance that they had, that somehow they could single-handedly revive a genre of, of genre cinema that maybe has died because maybe people just don't want those comedic movies anymore. Maybe the culture's kind of moved on. But to, to kind of, you know, believe that they could single-handedly pull it back into the cultural zeitgeist moment whatever it's called was insane to be fair because so far from what i've been able to see online people reviewing it they're basically either saying it's a fun movie just to watch but if you don't really care about a quality movie or it's fucking terrible and in the same token they're saying the same things about sebastian Malsako's new movie called about my father and I've heard recently, if you listen to Tim Dillon's podcast, you'd have heard him on his Patreon episode, basically tear this movie to shreds and say it was fucking garbage. He couldn't understand why it exists, why they did it and shit. And Sebastian, I think, is on the same level, if not more famous with Normies 
than Tom Burt Kreischer is. Burt Kreischer is still famous, don't get me wrong, in his own regard. But I think Sebastian is like on that sort of like mainstream, mainstream level. And his movie about my father, his opening day weekend was only 9.2 million also, 9.2, well, 9 million only. Internationally made 824,000, altogether 9.8 million opening day. So these, both of these movies didn't break even. Both of these movies are categorically flops and both of these movies aren't going to spearhead the return of comedic movies anyway, shape or form. So all that stuff that they were talking about, oh, this movies might help revive this genre and bring back comedic movies. Actually, it's going to do the opposite. It's actually going to, it's actually going to make sure that movies that were in development are going to get canned. <laughs> That's the cruel nature of this shit, but it must be an interesting wake up call in it to be like as famous as these guys are and see that none of that shit on the internet or in that specific niche translates over to movies at all um and i wonder what it is i wonder if it's just that the movies just aren't good enough because that could also be the thing right because there's generally movies that have come out like i mentioned sisu i don't know what sisu did opening weekend but that sisu movie is fucking incredible i think so right um i said it was better than john wick <clears throat> so it, you can obviously make movies for a small budget, be an unknown person, and it just catch. But the whole opening box, opening weekend box office thing is a whole entire different thing in, its, in itself, right? It's kind of like playing the New York Times bestseller book list type of event, type of strategy thing. It doesn't actually mean because you've got a New York Times bestseller that the book is good. It just means you maybe game the system in a particular way or at least like you, there's, there's ways around kind of becoming number one. So it's a different sort of vibe. So I'm wondering with movies, if it's just all encompassing, you have to have like a good strategy. It has to be an actually good movie. You have to have the right people backing it, non-stop promo. And imagine Burt Kreischer is not shy to promote. Burt was promoting this hard. He's been on every fucking podcast under the sun. I just saw recently, he's, he was just on fucking Drink Champs, a podcast I listened to, hosted by fucking Nori and DJ FN, right? Which is usually EFN, so which is usually a podcast about, you know, interviewing people within the hip-hop R&B adjacent sort of sphere. Um, and Burt crashes on that, talking about himself and the movie and shit. So he pushed this movie hard. He promoted it as hard as he could. And still it didn't make a fucking dent. Like it didn't do a fucking dent in the grand scheme of things. No one fucking gave a shit. And it just is what it is, which is absolutely insane to see. Like the movie industry is fucking brutal and very, very difficult to kind of get it working. But I'm interested to check out both movies and myself. I'm still going to do a review. So if you're waiting to hear what I think of the movies, then, um, you know, that will be coming as soon as I can find the availability to watch it. I've been checking to see the machines been available after the fact in various cinemas around London, but I couldn't find any that was showing them. So maybe I might have to wait until it gets released digitally. And about my father, the Sebastian movie, I haven't actually checked yet. So maybe this might be available to watch soon. So I actually need to watch both of these to check the Marin view myself. But the opening day box office is illustrative that, hey, movies are a lot harder to make than people make it seem as and clearly no one gives a fuck about podcasters going on fucking you know on the big screen it's not that deep it really really isn't that deep um i think they really overestimated their level of fame really in the grand scheme of things but you know i guess you have to try i guess you have to try we were saying in the chat, imagine having a friend that was looking forward to seeing that movie, <laughs> Paris Bardo. 
<laughs> Matt Damon explained it in the video why movies are struggling in fears. Yeah, true, true. Matt Damon made a really good point about that, to be honest. That was a very good clip. Uh, we was just saying people only watch movies like that on streaming platforms now, not worth leaving the house for. Yeah, exactly. That's actually, <clears throat> that's, I think, I heard Burt Kreischer mention the whole Tom Cruise, um, the whole Tom Cruise thing with his movies, Mission Impossible, what's the other one he did? Top Gun. And he used it as a justification to kind of how he approached movies. But I actually think the the reason why Tom Cruise has been, his things work is because those movie franchises, Top Gun and fucking Mission Impossible, they work really well in the, on the big screen. You actually want to, it's like the Fast and Furious. Like as great as those movies are to watch sometimes on a plane randomly, just as a kind of joke thing, they're actually better to watch in the cinema on opening fucking weekend and shit. Like that's actually the fun of it. Seeing those movies on the big screen, IMAX, whatever it may be, is actually part of the experience and kind of adds to the draw and to the pull of it. But would you actually, you know, think that a comedic movie would need that? Not really, to be fair. <clears throat> so it was a real point that he made at the time, to be completely honest. But, you know, again, what do you know? What do I know? <clears throat> Talking about that, I quickly want to mention this quickly. That I thought was interesting, right? This is a clip taken from your, sorry, the, not your mum's house, from Two Bears, Two, Two Bears, One Cave, featuring Tom Tegro and Bert Kreischer. And they had a very interesting conversation, which I think is very illustrative of just how finicky and almost fake and also situational and just kind of dishearteningly disheartening lame upsetting i don't know there's there's something about this exchange that to me illustrated how difficult it must be to navigate around la and just the entertainment industry you have to have a real thick skin you really have to have a real thick skin and you really have to have your mental in like a good place because this exchange is fucking wild in this exchange um burt crasher basically admits that he was really upset initially when he heard that Tom Segura wasn't going to come to his machine premiere, right? Movie premiere. It's going to be a big deal. There's going to be all these fun events and stuff. And, you know, part, what you call it? it stuff to do on the red carpet. But Crasher loves fucking fame anyway. So it was obviously going to be a big block, blockbuster event, bloody blah, blah, blah. So you'd imagine with it being a big movie also a big and a monumental achievement that he kind of done regardless if you like the movie or not getting the movie done and out there and whatnot and big premiere is a big deal so it would have meant a lot to see his friends in podcasting the community comedy scene come out there and support him so it's really funny this clip because Bert kind of admits hey I was actually really pissed off and upset when I initially heard you couldn't come Obviously, Tom then decides to come and it's one big surprise and they make it part of the content. But this exchange is wild because in this exchange, you hear Tom trying to justify why initially he didn't want to come and why it was okay if he didn't come. I was like, aren't you, well, you guys meant to be like friends and best buddies and shit? Like, why wouldn't you go and support your friend in this big occasion, this big monumental you know thing that they're doing in their career and maybe it might be something that might not be repeated because you know movies are one of those things where if it, if it doesn't make money the first time they're not going to give you a second chance so this is a pretty much a one chance and done type of thing you can't say i'm going to come to your next premiere because it might not be another premiere but anyway regardless if there is a, what, another premiere just come to this one and support me because you're my friend and we clearly get along and we're w work colleagues and clearly whatever family friends whatever close relationship so just hearing these guys 
have to like do the whole LA dance thing. It's fucking really, really sad. I'm not going to lie because you don't ever really know who your friends are in this type of scene because when it comes to a moment where you feel like your friends should be there for you, they just make up excuses that they got shows and shit. Like, because I was wondering of myself, like, why wasn't Joe Rogan there at the fucking machine premiere? Why wasn't, I don't know, all those guys that go on their shows and stuff that are around these guys that they all pretend that they're friends and they giggle around each other. Like, why weren't they there at that premiere? Why would they make the effort to go and all hang out and make it a big fucking thing, like, and support their guy? It's just weird that they none of them were there and it was mostly his family and other celebrities that just wanted to be seen and shit, but there wasn't that many comedians. Anyway, let's kind of listen to the exchange between these guys because I find it fascinating. Yeah, Five times, stories a yeah. hundred times and you're just like, you're like oh god yeah well but, and, and let's let's just get to the real meat of this me surprising you at the premiere dude so that the for people that don't know for people that don't know i gotta also say something that i thought about a lot what there really is a difference and this goes for like all people in in different relationships is that there are things that are important to some like one person in a relationship that's yeah. not important to the other person. And sometimes you have to like, like what I mean is I am not a, what a good excuse to be like a shitty friend. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> because I don't care about birthdays, but you do. I'm just not going to come to yours. It's like, what? <laughs> I have a birthday party guy. I'm not like, uh, I'm not like your wife and I were just talking about this outside. I'm not really. I We were just saying, we were watching you do red flags. Yeah. And she God loved the interruption, right? I'm telling my story. No, let me tell your story. It can be infuriating listening to this podcast, isn't it? Tom's just Tom was saying something and then midway through he's like, nah, I'm just gonna tell you my thing, because I'm more important. First <laughs> date. First date. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah. We're watching you do it. It's a new podcast. And you said it. something and it was something people probably don't know about you and then I, and I just whispered he, that he's dead inside and and Christina goes oh you're telling me and then I and then we started she said you know we're identical right and I said yeah she goes he can just and we, we started talking about you and I said you know and then we started talking about the premiere yeah and I said I was so I was so silently hurt because I was like was one tell the story from the beginning so what I was trying to say is that there? you come to realize that sometimes you go, well, since, if this is not important to me, I don't mean your event. I mean going to things like I've been invited to dozens, dozens of mm -hmm. premieres, after parties, events, and I have attended, I think, counting yours now, either two or three because I have only attended for the person, not for like some people go, oh, there's a thing. Oh, I don't. <laughs> God, I love Tom in it. <laughs> okay, cool, man. I'm I'm honored to have you here. I'm honored that you would select me as a one of one or two free people that you would go to an event for and support because you don't go to any of them. Like this is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that person. I am not going to anything like that. Why? I detest events and th like I just don't have a good time. I'm also I was telling somebody about as I get to the story, I go the difference. I go if if I had been my premiere, Bert would have been like, "When's your premiere?" And I said two weeks ago. And you would go, what? I go, I don't know. I just didn't bring it up. Yeah. Because, and I'm, I'm trying to say it not like, I'm not saying it's, but I'm saying personality wise, I would just go, I would think that you wouldn't want to go. So I didn't even bring it up because I, I that's so, just how I think. It's so just, I started texting you. I started texting you probably. 
couple of weeks ago. A couple, a few weeks ago, when you were in Europe, yeah. And I texted you and Joe first. And I said I have a private leaving Austin on Wednesday, going into what you call. Why don't you guys hop on? Joe texted right away. I gotta protect my parks with Ari and yeah, and Shane and, and Mark. I can't do it. I got shows that night. I- How does that make any sense? So Bert organizes a private jet to pick his friends up from wherever they're at to fly into LA. I guess where the premiere was have was being held to to come to his event, private jet to go there, so no expenses paid. Cool, you're there. And to, Joe in his in his positions that like, I can't go because I've got to protect my parks or protect our parks. Sorry, the podcast he does with Mark Normand, um, Shane Gillis, and Ari Shafir. But surely if you've got your own podcast, you do your own thing and, you know, there's not a schedule set for the fucking Joe Rogan experience. He just records and puts out the shows when he wants to. Surely you can just cancel the show. You can reschedule for another time. It's not really that big of a deal. And his own comedy club, it's his own club. He just book himself another time. Like, why can't you just go make the effort? Like, they don't do anything, like, outside of just, like, talking on podcasts. And, you know, Joe's a good example because he doesn't actually like going on other people's shows. He prefers to have them on his show. I guess that kind of is able to kind of control where he kind of goes and where he says yes or no to. So maybe there's ulterior motives there. But surely if your friend's got a one-off occasion like this, you just make the effort and go. Especially more so with these guys where they've got jobs that essentially allow them to kind of create their own work schedules. They get to kind of be in control of their time more than kind of you and I. You and you you and I in the audience, we kind of exchange our time for like money in terms of salary working a normal job. These guys have the ability of like making money on the go, making money while they sleep, uh, making money in other ways that kind of opens up the hours of the day that they have to do stuff. And because the stuff that they do, they're kind of their own boss. They get to say when they work, when they don't work. So just cancel the show and go to his premiere. But no, I can't go. Private jet picks you up. Go now. Nah, I can't. I got a show. I can't cancel it. It's like yes, you can. Just a podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Good luck. And then you didn't reply. And then I went okay. Send a text to you and Christina. Hey, I got a private leaving Wednesday night. No reply. Send a text to you. Hey, man, what is what's going on with the premiere? And then Tom not praying is like hilarious. Josie's saying Joe doesn't do anything. Joe doesn't want to do. That's why. Yeah, I respect that. I think that's ultimately where a lot of people want to get at, especially if you've worked in any kind of industry where you're kind of always at the kind of mercy of somebody approving you or giving you permission to do something when you finally get to a position where you're sort of self-sufficient and you get to call the shots and you're not kind of um, beholden to anybody it is quite freeing to be able to do what you want when you want to do it but in this case I think the beauty and one of the kind of benefits of that is that you get to then end up doing stuff for your friends because you got the time now because you're not shackled by the constraints of this or that or this corporate overload or this corporate whatever it may be right you can kind of do your own thing so if you can do what you want to do because you've got the ability to do so because of your hard work your talent your perseverance your luck whatever it may be that actually allow you to have the ability to then now do for people the things that you'd wish you could have done, but you couldn't because you were legitimately busy doing other things that you didn't want to do. And again, these are meant to be his friends, like, quote unquote, my best friend. Like, you can't go to his fucking movie premiere. You can't ditch your fucking podcast or push it back a few hours and just fly in and fly back out. Like, why not? Because in my head, 
There was a number of things. A number of things. Yeah. Number one is, you know, secret time. We have business over there. Like we have, we have business yeah, yeah, okay, over okay. there. Like, and so I was like, I was like, I want to introduce you to everyone. I want to make sure you know everyone. I want yeah. everyone to, you know. Yeah. FaceTime with yeah. people. And number two, it's like, like, I remember saying to someone, I remember saying on a uh, radio show, they're like, so is Tom coming? You're like, I, I go, I don't know. And they go, wait, what? And I said, what do you mean? And then I go, I don't know. I haven't heard from but, him. But okay. But to give it full, like full story. And, and the funny thing about this is that regular working class people, regular civilians, as they like, guys like to call us, and or the fat, lazy paws, like Tom likes to call us, we have way more time to do stuff for other people, even though we have a far busier schedule on a daily day on a day-to-day basis we're working sometimes more than eight hours a day we have families you know we have responsibilities outside of work we have to look after traveling distances between work and home take up your time all these things that you have to do and you still find a way to kind of be there for your friends when they need you but these guys (laughs) have the ability the privilege the luck the gift um you know, and fortune of life to be able to kind of do what they want when they want, and they still make up excuses of why they can't do things for their friends. And that's completely normal until Bert goes and sits down with radio people who are just like regular people working the job. And they're like, hold on, your best friend that you do the show with, Two Bears, One Cave, you're giggling with each other about fucking Kool-Aid. You're, you're buying each other birth, elaborate birthday gifts. Your Your wives are clearly friends. Like, that guy who's your, you know, you built a business together. Like he's not coming to your movie premiere. It's like, huh? Story. Okay. Full story. Full story. I was in Europe and I'm not, this is not a good thing, no. but I was there for 40 days. That is, you know, you tore like and a fucking, like a lunatic. And, you I, and tore my like tour, you're in world war two. I know it's look, the like, tour is over. Know. But one of the things was, I don't even, I think I probably saw one of your early texts and was like, I, I got to try to make arrangements for this. Yeah. And then when like, I got home, I have a wife that's not thrilled that I've been gone for 40 yeah. days. My kids are young kids. They're yeah. not teenagers. They're young kids. And they're like, they're like, oh, you, you're the dad, right? Like, yeah. like it's, it's not good, I'm saying, you know? Yeah. So when, when the idea of like, hey, do you want to come to this premiere in another state? It's not like you're down the street. Yeah. I was like, I don't, you know, bringing it up, I was even like, you know, hey, I'm going to, it's like, no, you just got home. So yeah. at first it really was just like, and I honestly, I've been, I curious, I've been curious what the breakdown of this was. Okay. I honestly I'm thought curious to, to when, know when I when told you, you folded. that. The funny thing is, right. Most likely with all that in mind, I went on, I went on tour for 40 days in Europe. My wife didn't see me, miss my kids, blah, blah, blah. Most likely they could, if somebody called in to do a quick set at the comedy store or the ice, or whatever, wherever they live, right? Joe Rogan's club, whatever, right? Just a quick little pop-in. He would have done it. <laughs> so the same time you could have used just to kind of go and see your friend at the movie premiere, a couple of hours, few hours, is the same time you've done to do a comedy set, but that's fine. But then going to a premiere is a bit more difficult. Like, these guys, like, if it doesn't make money, it really doesn't make sense, is it? They don't leave their houses. It's fucking hilarious. When I told you that, yeah. when I told you that, I really thought, because I I think people with parents with kids think this way. I thought you were just like, oh yeah, I totally get it, no problem. Okay, and I, and hang, I on, hang on. So let so then let me back twice it up. about. Let me back it up. Okay. When you said it to me the first time, I said, I I I really meant it. Totally get it. No worries. Yeah. 
Totally get it. No worries. And then, uh, and then I did press two things of press and it came up and I, and I was like, he's not coming. And both of them were like, what, what the fuck? What, what's happening? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. He's, you know, he just got off tour from Europe. He just got home. And they're like, he can't fly out for the day. And I was and like, people would make it, people would almost convince me that I should get hurt about it. Well, I understand and so then, that. And so, and so it built. Well, and then, and then I, I, I said it at the dinner. No, not convincing you should get hurt. They're just surprised that your supposed best friend in the world can't make it to your movie premiere. It's not that difficult. <laughs> With a bunch of people. And they're like, Tom's not coming. And I was like, and mean, but meanwhile, meanwhile, as you're say, as, as you're saying that, I'm really just like, we talked about it, and yeah. you're like, no worries. And I just take you, I take it at, at I, that. I was good. And then it started building. And then Leanne found out. Leanne found out and, and texted. Fucking lost her shit. She Big up Leanne, honestly. she's an, She sounds like an absolute saint. I enjoy her when she comes on in the pod sometimes. The interactions that she has with Bert sometimes are actually kind of wholesome. And she actually seems like a normal human being, which is really rare within that whole jerry extended universe la podcast adjacent people whatever she actually seems like a regular normal human being which makes it actually all the more surprised that she ended up but obviously you know we know why they're together and it kind of works and whatever relationship blah blah blah. he makes money they're obviously in love blah, blah, blah. but as a human it just they just seem so opposite like clearly but she legitimately is a saint legitimately is a saint and I loved when she fucking called out Ari Shafir for the dosing. And to this day, she hasn't forgiven him about it. He's not allowed around the house. He's kind of, you know, he's banned from ever stepping foot in the Burt Kreischer fucking family home. His kids, his daughters fucking hate Ari because of the mum. Like, I love that she reacted to the whole dosing thing like a normal human would have and didn't just take it as like a really edgy, funny joke. She's just like, no, why, how, did, how dare you come into my house and basically drug my husband behind his back, knowing all his fucking pre-existing health issues and the fact that he's a functioning alcoholic. Why would you do that? Like, she didn't like it in the slightest in a way that Ari tried to make it a joke and tried to make light of it. She was not having it. <laughs> like, so I like that she also called out Tom Segura in this regard. Like, you guys are best friends. You guys are family. You're not coming to the fucking premiere. Get your act together. Lost her shit. And I said, hey, uh, she goes, is Tom coming? And I said, no, he's not going to make it. He just got home from Europe. She was like, are you being serious? And I was like, I, I wouldn't joke about it. I have no reason to joke yeah. about it. And I really was genuinely, um, like, I was good with it. And then Leanne sent you a text. She sent me a text. You and Christina a text. Together. And, said, and did not include me on it and did not tell me about it. And she goes, are you guys really not coming to the premiere? And I was like. I mean, I thought we had, I, I thought it. we had, this was, you know, worked I, I out. Thought, I, I, I was like, and so now mind you, I've had three builds up. So people yeah. like getting in my head <laughs> so here's the thing. and then Leanne sends the text and then you text me, keep going. The text was even worse. It's well, not she goes, she goes, are you really not coming? We're like, well, no, yeah, no, she's saying, she's saying, saying it. She's saying it to the two of us, but hang on. Let's be very clear. You guys didn't reply. Because she said, I never got a reply from them. We replied. No, no maybe yes. privately to her. To her. Really? Yes. Okay. We okay. replied to that text. Christina took, like, oh, yeah. Really was like, hey, he just got home. He's been gone for this long period of time. We don't, you know, for us to leave. Can you imagine what it's like talking to Bert in real life? Because this already is giving me a bit of a headache. I'm going to watch it a few more minutes and we're going to end it. 
But can you imagine what it's like talking to him in real life? Like you're trying to get through a story, like you're trying to recount a story that includes loads of little bits that you may have forgotten along the way to try and make it interesting and funny. And then he kind of just like jumps in and interrupts and tries to fill in the gaps for you and tries to say his bit. It's like a constant fight. Like he's the kind of guy where you feel like if you were speaking to him in a real life or in a conversation, you feel like, have you, have some, I feel some of you guys have had this before. We have friends where you feel like you have to kind of rush what you have to say so that they don't, they don't interrupt you. You have to kind of either condense it or just rush it out. Like, you know what I mean? They have to either kind of cut all the fat out of it to just say it quickly or just rush through the entire long story with no gaps so they don't kind of jump in. Because the moment you have a pause or like, you know what I mean? Like they just jump in. <laughs> and sometimes they won't ever kind of give you an opportunity to get back in again. Like, fucking no. It's just, it, it's a, it kind of tires you in your brain because you're trying to remember what you're saying. You're trying to remember the, the kind of thread of the conversation. You're trying to remember details of the story. And you're also trying to preempt this guy from interrupting you again and again and again. God damn it. Eve, for like with the two of us, we have to have somebody come watch the kids. Yeah. Um, we don't have somebody live in that, you know, to, that does. So it's like, a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And just thinking like, I don't know, that explanation. And then she replied, <laughs> your wife replied. She was like, yeah, I get it. Still, it really is a fucking bummer that you're not able to be here, oh. and it's a huge night for Bert and all this stuff. And I felt bad in that moment. No, I I did not. I was not a part of this. As she should, mate. As she should. Well done to Leanne Crasher for making these guys feel bad and um, for not attending the thing. Obviously, eventually they did attend it. I'm not gonna tire you with the whole entire thing. Um, but the funny thing, like I said before, just double checking this stuff and going over a few of these clips is that. It looked like Tom might have been the only comedian from that crew that was actually there. Don't you find that weird? Like, all these kind of alleged friendships they have, close community, brothers, um, you know, um, what did Brendan call it? The comedy rap pack, all this nonsense. One of them has like a fucking movie made, an actual movie, a legit movie. Hollywood premiere in cinemas. I guess it didn't do well in the box office regardless, but he made an actual movie and they don't go. Hey, yo, big up John Valdez. I appreciate your super chat. Leanne's amazing. She personally cash shopped me a refund for one of Bert's shows I couldn't make it to because my special needs son had a meltdown. Wow. Wow. Big up John Merrick. Thank you for being a TS. It has supporter in general. appreciate you, brother. Thank you what john valdez that's fucking amazing leanne's amazing she personally cash out me a refund for one of Bert's shows i couldn't make it because my personally son had a meltdown that is a legitimately lovely lovely person i've always been a fan i've always been a fan of leanne she always comes across amazing same with um what's her face i forgot her name bill burr's wife there's a few of these wives in the in the scene where you think they're the reasons why the the guys are successful. Like they hold it down back home, and they also seem to be like actually nice people, like legitimately decent people. So it's no surprise that these guys are like successful as well as they are. And they they kind of like the un, you know, they don't get the 
the support and love or the recognition that they should, but they definitely, you know, contribute a huge part of these guys' success. But that sounds like a Leanne Crasher thing to do, to be fair. So big up Leanne Crasher, absolute G. Um, and big up you guys all for super chatting and the membership. I appreciate you. But going back to this little video, this is Tom Segura's video about finally going to fucking Burt Kreischer's premiere. And it's obviously a fun, funny video or whatever. But one thing that was quite striking seeing the clip was that it seemed like Burt was, sorry, it seemed that like Tom was the only LA Burt Kreischer friend in the comedy scene that actually went. I find that really wild, personally. And I'm not, against somebody that cares about this sort of shit. I don't really have a big social group of friends. But I would have been legitimately bummed if I was Bert. And the only person that turned up from that comedy scene was, what, Tom only, really, out of, of everybody else. Where's Ari? Where's all these other... Oh, no, Ari probably not a good, good, a good example, but all these other guys that he's having in his pod, the guys that he goes on the road with, like, where are all these people? So today, uh, Big Belly Burke has as his premiere of The Machine. Oh, come on, don't do that. In Los Angeles. I'm currently in Austin, and I'm... Oh, why is it doing that for? Let's just, let's, let's refresh it. Maybe it's, maybe it's my side of things that's going a bit crazy. Bear with me one second. Yep, I'm getting a wheel of death for once. It's actually running all fucking smooth, and then now, as I'm playing this fucking clip, it's going fucking bananas. Let's replay this once. Refresh this one more moment. So Perfect. today... Play. Today, uh... Big Belly Burke has his oh, come premiere on, of the son. machine in Los Angeles. I'm currently in Austin, and I'm oh no, I'm going to surprise him at the premiere. I told my why is it doing that for? Hmm. For some reason, it was working perfectly fine before, but it's not working now. Anyway, you get the gist. I move on. Um, it doesn't fucking matter. You understand. People say in the chat, what, um, AZ stealing the neighbor's Wi-Fi? Oh, I thought you said the neighbor's wife. I was like, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm stealing somebody's fucking wife. Anyway, moving on from that one. This clip is fucking wild. I've said it already before, and I'm going to stick with it personally. This is my stick with it point. I'm at the stage now where I don't care, Right? I don't care about Burt Crasher's alleged um, functioning alcohol. Oh, yeah, big up John Valdez. Appreciate for your $2 super chat. Wow. He only went so he could use it for content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, he made it worthwhile, right? If you're going to go, because he obviously wasn't paid a fee to attend. So if you go, make the content and then monetize it. <laughs> I love LA podcasting scene people, man. Only talk to somebody if it's in front of a microphone and in front of a camera. Only go to somebody's event or go and support them if you can bring along with you, a, you know, make a, a whole entire vlog thing that you can then, you know, use as a bit of promo um, and whatever to push your dates and shit. I fucking love that, to be fair. I love how brazen it is. I'm not going to lie. I love how brazen and how unapologetic that whole shit is, uh, weirdly enough. But anyway, this clip, courtesy of Lex Friedman's podcast, again, fucking wild, right? This guy's got a story, uh, some people say a fake story about his time in Russia during his college days, and now he somehow ends up on a Lex Friedman podcast talking about himself again, which is wild, because you'd imagine someone like him probably only needs a one Lex Freedom appearance. How much more 
can you talk about yourself and what you do as a stand-up on Lex Friedman than more than one time, but who knows? But I found this clip interesting because this is real interesting because this is a clear example of, you know, delusion in effect. But also, like I said, I'm at a point now where I don't care if this guy is a functioning alcoholic. If it works for him, it works for him. No problem. But I just find this way of kind of rationalizing the things that you do to be interesting because in my head if you do this sort of shit if you're secretly drinking that to me is a hint that you're maybe an alcoholic because that's a that's the sort of stuff that people do when they have an addiction they don't want to kind of admit or to let somebody else kind of notice how bad it's actually getting when you start doing things in secret and start saying i've only had one i haven't had anything to drink i'm going all this sort of shit is kind of like telltale signs of somebody that is an alcoholic but again it's just funny to hear him kind of say this in real time so this is burt kreischer on lex friedman's podcast saying just that drinking you can ever do in my opinion now we're getting into the weeds on it Mm -hmm. is alone behind someone's back what do you mean like when they don't know you're drinking but you're drinking hmm. like uh like christmas shopping uh. and, <laughs> and your wife says all right let's all split up and you go yeah. cool and it's like it's like 11 o'clock on a sunday and they just opened that bar by the elevator in the beverly center and, and you just sneak over and you go hey man can I get a double jack on the Ross Ox Ross? And they're like, sure. And you just have it and you just go, let's just, and then you're yeah. off. And then you're like, yeah. yeah. And then you just little sneak one, sneak yeah. it, sneak it. And then you, you're and then, buzzed and nobody knows. And then your wife's like, wait, have you been drinking? You're like, do I? <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking by myself in a fucking mall. Yeah. On Christmas. How sad do you think I am? <laughs> and then you go, yeah, yeah. So, Apologies for the pauses, and that face is fucking maniacal. But that sounds like an addiction, don't you think? <laughs> that sounds like alcoholism to me. That sounds like being a legit alcoholic, where you're fucking sneaking drinks, where you're drinking, boozing, getting tipsy whilst you're out doing Christmas shopping. Just regularly doing your regular Christmas shopping, and somehow there's a need to get drunk in that moment. That, for me, is what you'd classify as, like, bona fide alcoholic shit. But for some reason, Burt Crash doesn't seem to think it's an issue. So I'm not really bothering or think it's an issue either, because if he seems to think it's fine, then why should we care in any way, shape, or form? But I just find his way of rationalising this sort of shit to be kind of wild, personally. Um, I've already reached my point in life where I'm kind of questioning my life decisions and maybe I've done too much partying, I've done this, I've done that. So it's just funny when I see other people who just don't care about that sort of stuff and are just pushing it, pushing it until the fucking wheels fall off. It's kind of impressive in its own way. It really is. There's never a come to Jesus moment of like, you know what, this is getting too much, I need to stop. Nope, we just keep on going. We just fucking keep on going. I'm still going to stick to my prediction that Bert's going to be the one person in his comedic social group out of his peers who will outlive all of his comedic peers, sorry, 
I still think that I think he's just gonna have be that lucky type of dude who similar to people that you've had in your family who smoke you know 20 pack of cigarettes a day but they don't die of cancer and they you know die peacefully of old age he's definitely going to be one of those type of dudes i've seen many of guys like him before in the pub you have massive bellies incredibly hard full of fucking beer face completely red covered in pus fingers all fucking inflamed like fucking sausages and shit and they live into their old age no issues whatsoever no kidney failure no liver failure no nothing so i think bert's going to be one of those type of people so people are going to be talking about him like kneeling over and die for a long time but he's not i guarantee you i guarantee you this guy's going to be completely fine um joseph's saying az he's been boozing this hard since he's 12 they don't last that long i don't but that's the thing josie you say that now let's i believe you right he's been boozing since he's 12 he's been a party starter since you know that's been his fucking right claim to fame since he was in college cool but he's in his 50s now josie he's in his 50s he's in his 50s if life didn't catch up with him now why would it not catch why is it going to catch up with him later that's what i'm saying that's the only thing i'm saying i could be wrong but if he survived this long in good health he's not walking with a limp he's not in a wheelchair he can still he's got all his bodily functions he's not pissing into a bag i think he's gonna be fine unfortunately i think they're just those people that exist in the world who just get away with it basically <laughs> to complete abuse their body in a weird way but somehow they don't pay any price for it that's the only thing i'm saying here uh what we're saying here drinks more than a bottle a day Oof. um says paris that's yeah he probably more than that to be fair from what he's saying probably more than the thing there's the thing is i've been a i've been a burt fan from the beginning then i kind of got put off him because he's just so tiring and exhausting to kind of listen to but if you're a burt kreischer fan and you know about him you would know that burt used to be super open before especially on a burt cast he would be like aggressively honest like to the point where he'd be like a bit uncomfortable he'd be talking about stuff about his wife like to stuff about his kids his family like he's an incredibly open book and also weirdly in his own way very self-aware but also unwilling to change. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm a fame whore. Yeah, I care. I, li I like listening to myself speak. Yeah, you know, I want to be fake. Like, he doesn't care. He, he's, he's aware of how he comes across, but he also is not going to change. Um, but if you remember him early on, he used to say how much he used to actually drink. I think this might have been before Sober October started. So before the first Sober October is when I started listening to Burt Crash, it was many years ago. And he was very open about how much he drank. But then as soon as Sober October came around and it turned into like a mini intervention for Bert, he then kind of clammed up and started lying about how much he drinks. And that's when he started going on this whole like delusion about being sober and drinking when on the fucking treadmill, all this sort of copes that he was doing um, to make it make sense and obviously to make people kind of, you know, lay off him and kind of leave him alone. He started lying. But if you remember listening to the early episodes of Bert Cast and his appearances on other shows, he was incredibly honest about how much he drank and I would go as far as saying it's way more than a bottle a day. Way more. Way fucking more. Way fucking more. So as much as I would love to believe you guys saying that, hey, you know, he's going to, you know, it's not going to end well. I think some of you guys have also not being, um, what you call it? You're also not being uh, in your own way accepting of reality sometimes. Like sometimes bad people just 
not say win, but they get away with it. Like, haven't you watched the Ozarks? You see that family on the Ozarks, like, they're fucking pieces of shit. But they somehow able to get away with it. No one from their direct family dies. The brother dies. All these people die. You know, the fixer person dies. The lawyer person dies. But none of them actually pass away. Like, some of the, one of the kids should be dead by now in the Ozarks, right? But sometimes the bad people, I think even a woman that's session in the show, she actually says it's a quote. Sometimes bad people get away with it. And sometimes people that treat their bodies like shit and indulge themselves in every fucking hedonistic vice that they can, they sometimes get away with it. And I think Bert's going to be one of those people. I honestly do think that. And I'm willing to die on this hill. And I know I've not got a greatest record in fucking hot takes, but I honestly think this one's going to come true. Like Bert's legitimately going to be the one guy in his comedic peers that outlives everybody despite living like absolute shit. Because can you, can you imagine what Bert must smell like in real life? Can you imagine what he must smell like after doing a couple of shows on the weekend? Like, <laughs> his fat, like, Leanne Kreischer is a fucking lovely woman, clearly. She doesn't seem to have an issue with it. She probably knows that she can't stop him from it. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think he's going to be, I think, I, I think he's going to outlive everybody. Uh, just you watch, guys. If it doesn't happen, cool. Um, I've, please forgive me. I'm going to take a shoot of this stuff. But I think I'm right. I legit think I'm right. I think he's going to outlive fucking everybody. And you guys are going to be shocked and surprised when that does happen. Shocked and fucking surprised. Um, let me get rid of some of these fucking windows here. Um, let's continue. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this. So it's now obviously somewhat confirmed now. Oh, no, what we're saying here. Sorry, let me quickly go to chat. It'd be hilarious if he, if Burt outlives that Brian Johnson guy. Yeah, he probably will. Uche, it's a good example. But let me put this to you guys this way. I think Burt's going to outlive Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's not the best example because Joe Rogan does a lot of gear. But I think Joe Rogan clearly likes to look after himself, spends time in the gym, is somebody that tries to take care of himself. And I think Burr is going to outlive Joe. That's how that's how that's how concrete I am in this. Burt Crash will outlive Joe Rogan. Z says, I remember that one job I could smell alcohol from drunks while standing behind glass. Everyone knows, but they entertained the delusion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Z. Exactly. Burt got a Hollywood movie and is in his country. That means he want to be a Hollywood party and we all know what that must be done Hollywood party. Yep, exactly. Top choice Rolls Royce. Crash says, did you watch Burt's movie? No, I didn't watch Burt's movie just yet, but when I do get a chance, I will. Bad take, A's. Just put a bag on Bert's head. <laughs> Fucking hell. I find it interesting also. Like, I think Bert's really interesting to view from the outside looking in. Because the amount of people that he actually discussed with his mere presence is funny. Compared to the people that love him. Don't you find that funny also? Like, Bert clearly is somebody that's like easy not to like because of what he looks like what he's how he carries himself the drinking the the laugh the t-shirt you know the 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 performing of our shirt thing like it's easy not to like him <laughs> but he also has fans that ride or die for him like that fucking love him so much so that he's one of the biggest comics in fucking america if not the world he tours theaters stadiums and shit like i find that fucking fascinating like that that's one of the Funniest parts about but anyway, moving on from that. Brendan Shaw's London shows 
are officially cancelled. I got the email earlier today and also check in ticketmaster.co.uk the London show is officially off and the only show now that's still standing of the four shows is Glasgow, Scotland. That's the only one that's currently available on the 17th. But the rest of the shows, starting with Belfast on the 25th, starting with, um, then, then following that, the 22nd, London, which I was meant to go to, and then the 25th have all been cancelled. The only one standing that you can allegedly find tickets for is Glasgow. The only one standing. But I'm sure if I click on the actual link for Glasgow, let's see what it happens. I'm sure on the other page, it may not actually let you buy a ticket. But all the other dates have so far been cancelled um, for Brendan's Euro slash UK tour that he was meant to go on. And we haven't had any kind of clarification as to why that is the case. Um, it's just kind of been, you know, it's cancelled and it's kind of over. And that's it really, which is kind of wild. But if you scan through this thing, it just shows you that all the tickets are available. I'm not to sure if that means they're all available but it does show that they're all kind of available. You can click and, and kind of, you know, um, select where you want to sit anywhere really on this map. And it's not really an issue, it looks like. It's not like it's going to, they're telling you, oh, you can only sit in this section now. It looks like all sections are available if you scan it. But let me see if it happens if you zoom in here. Nothing really. Okay, cool. Zero. Nothing changes here. But I'm sure most likely the Scotland date is also cancelled here in Glasgow. But yeah, one absolute crazy whirlwind time has been um this definitely solidifies for me that the t5k subreddit guys they know exactly what they're talking about and unfortunately for brendan even though he probably hates it those dudes and those gals over there know him way more better than what know him better than he probably knows himself a lot of these guys are checked back on posts from like three months ago or like a couple of months ago maybe a little further than that one specific person said like he expects 80 percent of the dates to like get swept under the rug and most likely he's gonna try and use his kids and his family as an excuse about why the show's got cancelled and the exact thing happened that is absolutely marvelous that, that would happen right they predicted it like to its absolute entirety and the funny thing about it is that i stumbled across this post that features the advert do you guys remember the advert for the euro tour this is the advert that he put out in terms of kind of promoting the dates of him going to London and shit. And this has been good douched into memory also, but God almighty, mate, this brings a fucking tear to my eye. This shows are no more. Look at this little advert for the Euro tour. Sponsored advert, by the way. But you know I had to do it big. Like my women, like my checks, so make sure that it's there. Keep it real and make them stand out like comedian. Standing ovation, they want me to do it again. I guess that depends on my way up. You know I can't be Look at the dates. There was way more dates. There was even a Manchester date. There was a Cardiff date. Oh my God. So originally, it was six dates actually. Now I know we've all seen the four, which is Belfast, Glasgow, London and Dublin. But originally, there was also Manchester and Cardiff included. He was meant to go to the middle of the country and also Wales. He was actually gonna go. It was actually six dates, but it got shrunk down to four. Then it got completely cancelled. <laughs> Holy shit. No wonder he's been so like moody and mopey and unwilling to explain. Like, can you imagine the amount of money he must have lost on this? Because I'm sure he had to hire all these venues 
pay for it out of his own pocket because it this feels very amateur thick boy-esque produced right anything that's produced under thick boy away from because i think even if you're not a fan of his you can definitely see the dipping quality across the board in production and finish from when brendan left showtime um to when he was at showtime you can definitely see there's been a considerable dip in quality and finish and for every reason i think he's still signed to caa but there's something has gone awry in how he kind of maneuvers in the industry. Everything kind of feels a little bit like he's kind of doing it himself out of his Gmail, you know? Before, I felt like he had like a team that was like putting stuff together, connecting with people, networking, going on. Like now it just feels like he's just kind of doing it by himself sort of thing, um, which is not bad, but it's just, you know, you can clearly see that's a thing. So I feel like he paid out of his pocket to put these shows on with the hope that if they work out, you could make crazy amounts of money. Like I said before, if you're selling out 2000 venues and you're make selling, charging 30 pounds a ticket, you can easily make 60 K without including merch and VIP packages and shit. So the money making potential is, is high, you know, cost is high, but the money potential earning the, uh, the money earning potential is high also, but God, this explains everything about why he hasn't, really wanting to explain or talk about this whole cancellation as much because this has been brutal. He had to deal with originally it being six, being whittled down to four, and then all of it going. Because I legitimately forgot he had Manchester and Cardiff there. Because the only dates you see nowadays were the Belfast, Glasgow, and London and Dublin. But there was actually Manchester and Cardiff also included. Can you imagine that? Fucking hell. Get it in. I got to but yeah, book now. <laughs> it's completely gone now anyway you can't book now anymore that those are completely gone that was a sponsored ad on instagram stories like this is a thing swipe up thing like this was an absolute thing and now it's been completely completely retconned to never be mentioned ever fucking again absolutely shambolic state of affairs man absolutely shambolic but again he only has himself to blame i really don't understand why he booked such big venues and shows knowing full well that he's never going to sell them out because he can't even sell out medium, small venues in the US. It makes no sense to me. None in the slightest. And then somebody on the fucking T5K sub put together this amazing little picture of all the times he's cancelled shows, um, highlighting all the little cancelled things. I'm six, I had to cancel, event cancelled, cancelled Brendan, cancelled um, the, the My favourite cancel escapade has definitely been Moon Tower. The Moon Tower cancellation was one of the funniest arcs of the Brendan Shaw fucking story ever. I swear to God, when he kind of pretended that he got booked as a headliner at the Mood Tower Comedy Festival, when clearly he wasn't, he was just one of the first names mentioned, but he basically tried to spin it like he was a headliner. Then, um, I don't know why, why, why did he get dropped again? I forgot why he got dropped from Moon Tower. Did he get dropped because he couldn't sell tickets? I don't think so. I think it was because was it who, who why did he get do you guys remember again the moon tower festival cancellation why he didn't end up going he lied about being a headliner the updated flyer comes out he's just part of the you know people that perform which is still sick the fact that he got booked to perform at moon tower is still good but he lied his headliner the lineup gets adjusted he's just one of the names hundreds of names and then when the show comes around he doesn't go he cancels it last minute why is it again is it because he couldn't sell tickets Maybe it's just a reason, but I remember that era being fucking amazing. That arc was so fucking funny. 
Um, but yeah, this guy cancels. Comedians cancel shows a lot last minute, but Brendan's cancellation rate is high. And I'd hope some fucking um, tism leveled or tism induced users on the Find the Kids subreddit, I hope some of those guys are going to try and pull together a graph and dot all the times this guy has mentioned cancelling shows because I think it's fucking high. He cancels a lot of fucking shows. It's really, really funny, man. Um, but yeah, people saying in the, in the chat, it's cancel culture B, crash double booked. <laughs> Honestly. And then to kind of cap it all off, we got this amazing clip again, <clears throat> courtesy of Morning Combat, featuring Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas, the real CEO of PF Chang, Brian Campbell, dropping another bit of catnip here regarding the cancelled shows. Brian Campbell's the fucking greatest, uh, outside of obviously Harry Hawani, who's going to be, who's always be my guy, big up Ariel. But Brian Campbell's ability to just slip in the odd bits of catnip here and there for us uh, homeless cats out there is fucking sensational. And this clip is another great one, actually. He's always on point. He probably checks that sub as much as I do, maybe more. This is fucking amazing. Big up, Brian Campbell. I'd love to go on tour, though, with our show, our comedy show that we do, Luke, on tour. Maybe we can go do Europe, get a bunch of dates, <laughs> and cancel them. I mean, that could be something, Luke. But let's go on over. Oh, I fucking love him. I swear to God, I love Brian Campbell. Maybe we can get some dates and just cancel them. Oh, I fucking love it. Anyway, moving on from that one. Um, what we got to talk about here? Let's look. We've got some more things to kind of quickly rattle through before I leave. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. I've got to go in. It's fucking getting late already on my end. Better be one sec. Oh, yeah. Let's play this clip, actually. So this is the recent episode of The Fire and the Kid where Brendan kind of addresses and doesn't address the Euro UK tour cancellation. And the body language on this episode is really interesting because for one, the body language to me tells, tells me, sorry, that these guys are over this pod. We all know this, myself included, being a former fan. I stopped listening many, many years ago. But I think even if you are a fan or even if you are somebody that's, you know, classifies, classifies yourself as a hater, you will definitely see these guys' body language and just the way that they speak to each other on the show and the fucking lack of enthusiasm dripping from every fucking orifice on their body that clearly they don't want to be there and they're just doing it for the money. They're basically treating this job like a nine to five. They clock in and clock out. They do the bare minimum and keep it going. But because it's the one kind of shiny toy, or no, it's the one kind of, um, you know, uh, it's the one big draw within the kind of, Tfat K firing the kid. No, it's a, it's a one over. It's a one. It's the most successful thing. Sorry, under the Thick Boy Productions banner, it makes sense why they're hanging on for dear life because I'd imagine this pod pays a large part of their overall fucking salaries. You know what I mean? I get that regard. What's this massive thing coming on the screen? Oh, big up you, super chat. Things gonna come through in a minute. Um, so I understand why they're so flipping attached to it and aren't gonna let go of it. But part of me also thinks if you're a fan of the show, seeing them like this, Brian, Brian's arms crossed, Brendan slouched in the chair, arms crossed. Yo, big up Patrick Taylor. Appreciate the super chat with nothing on there but just a hippo. 
Big up Patrick Taylor, no message, but just a funny information, Mark. I appreciate the the 1999 super chat. That fucking gif is fucking hilarious. But I thank you and I appreciate you. But I'm saying that in this fucking pose, right, I honestly do think, like, at some point, you just got to say, you know what, is it worth the, if the, is the juice worth the squeeze? And this is why I kind of appreciate Joey Diaz. I mentioned it previously on my last episode of the live stream, that how Unique covered um, that recently Joey Diaz mentioned that he's basically cancelling and finishing his fucking show and not doing his podcast anymore, Uncle Joey's Joint. And I mentioned how kind of, you know, how pissed I was and upset I was because I'm a fan of Joey Diaz to see him end it. But I also kind of respected the fact that he did decide to just kind of bow, you know, gracefully bow out and be like, hey, the podcast bubble has burst. It's not what it once was. The show isn't as fun anymore. Now Lisa Yat isn't doing it with me anymore. And I moved to another place in the country. And I'm now a family man. I've got different objectives and priorities. Maybe the whole beef with Red Bar affected Joey Diaz's decision. But you have to respect the fact that Joey Diaz has made the decision on his own. On his own to step away and not constantly keep chasing the flame, not constantly keep chasing the dragon, or hanging on for dear life. He decided himself. I think it's somewhat admirable. It's somewhat something quite, you know, to be like, you know what, respect. Whereas these guys are just still clocking and clocking. On, we're still clocking into this fucking dying pod that clearly has gone, you know, has seen better days just because it makes some money. But the quality of the show is fucking terrible. So who is entertaining? I don't really know. But the body language is fucking interesting. Like, this is just, they're so over it, really over it. But the funniest part about it is how Brendan mentions the shows and stuff. And, the, you know, the end of the show where they plug their dates. <laughs> He's clearly somewhat defeated. But again, just explaining it and kind of speaking about it openly now, nah, let's just kind of pretend like everything's cool and we're going to spend some of the kiddos. So this is kind of his explanation as to why the UK tour has been cancelled. At the end of the recent episode of T Fight K. They're fast. They're fast. We They're can fast. set that up. That's fast. Is that a chin? That's it. All right. I'll be with Brian Tuesday night. Where are we going to be, B? Venice? Uh, Venice West in Venice, California. You, me, Lincoln Tripoli, Eddie me, Bravo, Eddie Jeff Bravo, Dye. Yeah, Eddie Bravo, Sam Tripoli, Jeff Dye, Brennan Shaw. be a fun time. Maybe a special guest. Um, next, I'll be doing sets around LA. We have a fight command this Saturday, 7 p.m. live on Thick Boy YouTube for UFC 289. The Schmo, Callen, and taking a long break, bub. Polly Shore. Shore. Taking a long break. Yes, I'm chilling nice. this summer with the kiddos. Nice. I love how <laughs> that's. <laughs> that exchange was amazing there's so many bits of breakdown number one the big special guest for fucking this fight companion is fucking brian callen which is you know big guest whatever but still to be fair i've always been a person that said i don't understand why brian doesn't do the fight companion more often the fight companion that Joe brendan does now is pales in comparison to the heady days of what the fight companion was when rogan used to do it but the magic of that fight companion on jre was that it was a set group of guys who were all friends right eddie bravo joe rogan brian callen brendan shaw at the time were all close friends they all got along they were happy to see each other during the fight cards shoot the shit and most of the times you'd watch that stream because they weren't paying attention to the actual fight cards it's actually funnier to hear them speak get fucked up get drunk get high and enjoy each other's company but when Brendan did it, his Calabasas fight club, and he started having rotating guests of all these freaks and weirdos and stuff who didn't know each other. It just 
wasn't the same thing wasn't the same vibe and clearly um just wasn't a fun show to watch but i think the show could work if you just have a set group of people you just maybe even having brian and sam Tripoli, whoever it may be just a set group of maybe three people and then rotating a guest but having it be four different people that don't know each other is bizarre so the fact that brian's on the fight companion kind of fight companion is actually a good thing so no problem with that one the funny thing about this is the end bit where brian kind of says in a concerning voice papa you don't have many shows like you got a big gap like you've, you're performing in july then the only other show up for that is september then it's november like that's like what's happening man you should be performing all the time every day all the time every day all the time and then brenda pretends not to hear it and then then he answers <laughs> that he he's decided to not get booked not get paid not be away from the family on the road securing addies and baddies but instead he wants to be at home now and be a family man allegedly so i find that exchange hilarious i'm going to replay that again that exchange is the best part for me let's go here bubba got a big break <laughs> it's around la we have a fight command this saturday 7 p.m live on thick boy youtube for ufc 289 the schmo callen and take a long break bub Polly shore take a long break Yes, I'm chilling nice. this summer with the kiddos. Nice. <laughs> you see what I mean? These comedians, like, Brian Callen is like, he looks like a fucking crep keeper. Like, that's fucking Skeletor. He is looking old. He's looking tired and weathered. He's actually trying to show his age now. I know it's a very pixelated image, but he looks like an old man, this. This guy doesn't look in his 40s. He looks like every bit of 60, right? He's got that massive fucking, those coke nostrils there just hanging all over there. Like, he looks like he's been through it. But he's had a very successful career. He's done loads of amazing things in his career. But he doesn't even, there's not even a hint of him stopping, pausing, taking a break. It's just going, content, more content, more content, more stand-up, more stand-up. There's no hint of like, hey, let me just relax. Let me take my foot off the pedal here. Spend some time with the family here. He's got a newborn, and he's got a newborn baby. And he's surprised and shocked when he sees that his friend, his co-host, his brother has a massive gap in his schedule. Like, brother, like you should be performing. You should be performing. Like, what's going on? Why are you performing? <laughs> and then Brendan has to lie and say, yeah, spend time with the family. The family? The one that you hate? Come on, Bubba. One more time. Brandon, should be a fun time. Maybe a special guest um next i'll be doing sets around la we have a fight command this saturday 7 p.m live on thick boy youtube for ufc 289 the schmo callen and take a long break bub Polly shore. shore take a long break <laughs> this is the he's like he looks a bit murderous here you're taking a long break you're taking a long break he's like say it one more time and i'm gonna fucking kill you you're taking a long break <sighs> he's preparing a c-clamp he's preparing the fucking von flu choke like he's preparing something in his brain <laughs> he's like, oh. yes i'm chilling nice. this summer with the kiddos nice so uh, i'm chilling this summer with the kiddos yeah sure buddy but yeah uh, an amazing an amazing update an amazing fucking situation to see and then obviously brian immediately cucks and says nice but the face is like shit i wouldn't be couldn't be me I'm on the road until I fucking die, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, could it be me, mate? I'm still out there fucking working. I'd be fucking horrified. But maybe a lot of it has to do with their fucking monthly expenses, isn't it? To be fair to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I'd imagine LA monthly expenses are fucking brutal. So they probably can't afford to not be on the road. But I find the the fucking surprise and shock from Brian that he's got a gap in his schedule and that he's actually going to spend time at home is like really interesting. <laughs> and says everything about these guys' careers and stuff. I find that bizarre. I, I just find also interesting people that just keep aggressively <laughs> downfloating this fucking... <laughs> <laughs> disliking the shows it's quite funny like these things have been disabled i only can see it because i've got the plug-in on my thing but most people can't see you disliking videos anyway but i find it funny there's still a group of people out there that still like, go out their way to dislike <laughs> episodes of the fire kid <laughs> honestly some people are fucking mean it just won't leave them alone they're just still gonna just like smash the dislike just to kind of keep it honest it's fucking brutal but yeah um you know spending summer time with the kiddos that's why we're not getting a london show that's why all these shows are cancelled spending summer time with the fucking kiddos that's why all these four shows are cancelled originally it was six now it's four because he wants to spend summer with the kiddos, allegedly, right? Allegedly spending time with the fucking kiddos. I fucking love it, man. The kiddos excuse is fucking one of the most brilliant excuses I've heard in the history of mankind. I swear to God. Um, and then, of course, you have to mention this one. This is fucking legendary clip. Big up fucking Theo Vaughan, the absolute gangster, appeared on GRE recently, which I've got to listen to. I haven't listened to it yet. And dropped an absolute banger and, you know, a couple of fucking stray shots over at fucking Crystalia. I think, oddly enough, Theo's been one of the people, I think, within that group of guys who I think has struggled the most with Crystalia's cancellation and the allegations around him because of the demands it put on him because you know i don't think theo likes it when people kind of ask him to comment on things and kind of push him and try and get him into like talk about counterculture shit he gets really uncomfortable because you know he's just a funny dude and he likes to say ridiculous shit he just doesn't want people to kind of take him ever take him too seriously so when chris lee got cancelled i felt like a lot of his fans his people overall just kind of pressuring him to kind of say stuff and he didn't know what to say, right? <laughs> so now I like that his approach to kind of addressing it is just always fucking joking about this shit. Like and fucking making really funny jokes because I think Theo, this is my this is my theory, it's my theory. Again, rubbish theory, but it's my theory. I think because Theo is from a real place in America, somewhere in the South, not sure particularly where, but I also believe that he's been brought up and seen real people. So I feel like Theo's radar for like freaks and weirdo is pretty high he's got a good radar for spotting a freak and weirdo so I think a part of him probably always knew that Chris was involved in the dark arts for real a part of him always kind of looked at Chris and thought there's something not quite right about this guy so when the news did come out about him <laughs> right Chris the diddler Chris the pedo right he suddenly was like oh it all made sense but he obviously gave him the benefit of the doubt at one time they were kind of cool they had a couple of really good episodes on his pod. They kind of had good actual comedic banter on his show. But ultimately, I felt like Theo always kind of knew he was a bit of a wrong one. So now the way that he responds to it, it's just to be funny. And I felt this little bit of catnip that he dropped and these, you know, this little subtle drone strike on the JRE recent episode was absolutely sublime because he really, he kind of like 
crowbarred that one in. You could you could see the wheels in his head turning as the setup was coming. Like he really did it. And Joe, for once, didn't like say, "Why would you say that?" Like he actually laughed and actually contributed to it as well, and actually added to the joke. That was actually quite funny. So big up Joe Rogan for understanding jokes. Now it's fucking hilarious. I, I like him when he's like this. When he's silly, like a twenty-year-old adult, or like a thirty-year-old adult. It gets exponentially creepier, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And like if, if you just graduated and you're 18 and your girlfriend is 17, that shit is completely normal, yeah. you know? But if you're 19 and she's 17, people start to look a little sideways. Huh, mm -hmm. that extra 12 months makes a big difference. If you're 20 and she's 17, people will get very upset with you, even in places where it's legal, where, where it is legal in a few places, which is kind of weird. Yeah, and if you are... Bad. 35 and she's 17 you can't be a comedian anymore <laughs> no. you uh, are you sure i don't, you know, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know who knows i mean who knows bro? who knows i don't know but it's um, weird like what's legal versus <laughs> oh i fucking love it for once <laughs> are you sure <laughs> big up joe that was fucking amazing 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 if you're 35 <laughs> You can't be a comedian. I find that fucking incredible. That was a good joke. That was fucking brilliant, man. Honestly, brilliant. And, you know, that's one of the things, like, if Chris never ever gets convicted in criminally for, you know, for the alleged crimes that he may have committed, I hope for some victims it is good enough. Um, uh, one of the, you know, one of the things that he has to kind of suffer from for the rest of his life is the fact that people are always going to laugh at him and always going to mock him, you know, for what he is allegedly may have done. It's not going to, you know, count for much to be fair, but <laughs> the fact that this is going to be a smudge that he's never going to be able to fucking clean, a cloud he's never going to be able to shake off is something that I feel like should be um, somewhat celebrated in his own way. But yeah, I found that joke fucking hilarious, man. I legitimately found it fucking Fucking hilarious. <laughs> if you're a comedian. Oh, fucking. <laughs> you can't be a comedian if you're a diddler. It's fucking brilliant, man. I still have an interesting, I still have like a, like a, a somewhat edgy hot take in that I feel like cancel culture should just be like, you know, you should try to get cancel someone. Try if you want to get someone canceled. But if their fans don't care, you shouldn't keep trying to convince their fans to cancel the person, you know? Because I think Chris is a good example of it. His fans don't give a fuck. So this whole campaign that people have in terms of like educating the fans and attacking them on the comments and telling them, hey, how can you support them? I think that's a bit lame. I think if the fans don't mind supporting him, let them let them support him. If all the institutions, the platforms, the platform and stuff, cool. But if the fans don't mind, then what can you do? It's a bit sick. It's a bit gross can make you feel a bit uneasy but you know they're all adults in the, the day and if they don't have a problem with it then it's hard why anybody else should really outside of the victims of course but hey what do i know what do i know yeah exactly super cello is right right here in the comments cancel culture is corporate culture actually it's actually corporate cancel culture triple c's actually corporate cancel culture it doesn't actually work in the real world because the real world people don't seem to give a fuck because 
my other hot take on that is mostly because, and I've seen it myself, most adults don't really have hobbies or don't really have things to do. And there's a real dearth in quality of like good programming to watch and shit. So if you've grown accustomed to liking a particular person, content creator, podcaster who entertains you for free for like six hours, three hours a week, you know, it's hard to let go of that block of time that they are entertaining you per week because what are you going to fill it with? I, you know, you just kind of le learn to kind of like compartmentalize. Okay, cool. I put that pedo shit to one side. I just focus on the fucking congratulations pod. You know, I can kind of get the logic behind it because if you listen to his pod all the time and you listen to him with his brother, listen to, you watch his fucking YouTube vlogs and that's what you kind of, you know, m your main consumption of content is during a week it's hard to justify like just dumping it you know for what what are you gonna replace it with it's selfishly even if it's heinous crimes that you're dumping it for like what are you gonna replace it with selfishly there's not a lot out there that's good like you know ai is taking over fucking the writers room in hollywood for a good reason because most writers are fucking garbage at their jobs and they can easily be replaced by fucking prompts in you know artificial intelligence so there's not a lot of good shit out there. So if you do find good shit you resonate with, I understand why you stick with it. Even if the person's a fucking pedo, a rapist, a creep, <laughs> an abuser. I absolutely understand. I wouldn't do it if that was me. I wouldn't because, you know, I think there's enough content out there you can find, you know, to kind of piece together and fill in the spots. You don't need to listen to those type of people. And generally, I think even looking at it from an objective point of view, even if you're not a fan of Crystalia, the, 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 you know, the Crystalia pre and post diddling accusations, the content creator, the comedian or the entertainer that he was, like it's night and day. He's not as funny, he's not as loose, he's not as entertaining, he's horrendous, he's a shadow of his former self, like legitimately. So you're not really getting what you were kind of accustomed to anymore. Like the magic is gone. It's completely gone. So you're kind of hanging on for what? a former shell of a man like a, a basic a kind of a has-been in a way it's like you know but yeah hey we're not gonna talk about that too much because you know it's not my fucking place so anyway um that's gonna be it for now for the fucking random show episode number what was it I don't know, one of these numbers. You know what it is if you're watching it. Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate all you mother, mother packers for tuning in. It's been a fucking pleasure as per usual. If it's your first time, please make sure that you smash that like for me down below. Greatly appreciate. Um, what's people say? Oh, yeah, Tucci is saying it's in the chat. Who said to me, do you remember Theo joking about Chris being a predator years before they got exposed? Yeah, of course. That's why I said, I think, yeah, good point. I think that's why I said, I think Theo kind of knew always. So maybe knew jokingly knew just suspicion inkling because he's lived a real life and he's you know lived a life where he's encountered some very interesting people like people that wore wooden t-shirts or he actually knew knew like you know because they may have shared a couple of you know tijuana legal girls allegedly who knows <laughs> what people are saying here are those women's purses no they're not they're just they're unisex purses pg they're made by a brand called telfor um i wouldn't say they're women's some people could classify them as women's but i like to wear you know i'm a fan of wearing um satchels and purses in general so i have quite a few actually i have this one which is a telfor one 
I have another nondescript shitty blue one that I sometimes wear from time to time. But one of my favorite ones is this one, actually, which is a Vivian Westwood collaboration with a company called Cambridge Satchel. So I wear these things quite often, actually. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's a women's bag, but you may say it is. But I actually wear these things because I like to put my laptops and shit in it and whatever. And I've also got, look, I've got another bag inside this bag, which is a bag I bought in Mexico many years ago that I also wear. So I have a tendency to wear very zesty <laughs> looking bags because, you know, I like fashion-y stuff and, you know, I'm a cool guy. <laughs> cool guys wear cool things i guess but yeah and i'm also a guy wearing a fucking rain jacket and some shitty aliexpress glasses indoors you know and i'm sweating because of this fucking led bar so i'm not the most conventional type of human but yeah i like to wear these type of satchels and bags and stuff so for me these bags are a godsend because i've always carried loads of fucking shit on me as well and i need them day to day to carry all my fucking belongings and stuff so um, you can call it a handbag. I can call it a fucking great bag. I fucking love this shit. This is my game. This is my life. Anyway, enough about that. Um, this has been Random Show episode number 117, I think, as mentioned before. Thank you again for tuning in. Those of you who've been here, it's been a pleasure. Please smash the like button for me. If you have enjoyed the show, that'd be greatly appreciated. And I'll probably see you guys again very, very soon. I think it's 116, so I'll probably see you guys again very, very soon about this. Maybe later on tomorrow. So tune in again for an episode of the show. But for now, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And I'll see you guys again very very soon peace out be safe everybody in the chat and we'll talk again soon peace